So how do you guys feel about living in this post-apocalypse clown-infested world? My brother was telling me about the clown shenanigans because he says there's someone in like County Cork doing it as well. I'm oh, sure. No, when once it gets to Ireland, you know. Yeah. It's uh, bad. So I guess it's like a copycat sensation where it's just kind of very evil cosplaying. Yeah. Because like it is costume play, it's just it's not fun. I thought it was like. The idea that people were getting, like, worked over over this, I thought it was, like, the dumbest thing in the world. Like, I thought, that's so stupid. Like, I can't believe anyone is, like, getting scared of it. There was a man killed two days ago in, fuck, was it Cincinnati? Somewhere, some town in America. And, like, I, I was, I didn't believe it, so I looked up the report, and I was like, what the fuck? Stabbed to death in the middle of the street. By a man in a clown mask. But that's that's it. That's why people are freaked out. Is the escalation happened really quickly? Quickly, I heard clowns, and then I heard woman chased by by a clown with a machete. Like in the same day, there wasn't a, just a moment where it's like there's bands of clowns being spooky, scary. It was all like a murder clown straight away. Yeah, I think it's like it's like obviously I'd say the vast majority of like sightings or whatever is people just being like. Ah, this will be a good laugh. Yeah, it's mm. it, it's like people from 4chan wearing, wearing the Guy Fox masks. It's just, they're trying to be cool. Yeah. But then now I think you have some actual psychopaths being like, finally, a release. It's like a really good cover for those kind of people, don't yeah. you think? It's yeah. like a little bit of mass hysteria happening and it's just like, oh, I can actually cover up some really bad stuff with this. Yeah, because then it just gets blamed on the scary clowns. Mm -hmm. And they're not being reported as individuals. It's just part of the clown culture. Yeah. I guess I'm going to say that we're all down with the clown. We are all down with the clown. The then. insane clown posse actually like disavowed this clown. Non-licensed clown, acti clown well, activity. Well, it's, it, not, it's not about family. That's, it's, yeah. It falls outside the realms of family. I'd love if there was like a Cirque du Soleil clown, like he's so, he, like, and he moves so elegantly, but like, like he and like he dances a dance and then fucking shit. The <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a sad, sensitive clown doing that yeah, dance, sad clown. weeping for the clowns that are betrayed. He's like singing opera he's into trapped. someone's face. Um, I know sometimes like I'll I'll be criticised for maybe having like politics on this podcast that could be a bit heavy-handed. We'll say. But to me, the only solution is zero fucking tolerance. Yeah. Like, Shut and like them all into a cannon and just launch them into the air. Build a wall. Do you get it? Huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> Vote for me. Like, I, I think the last thing I'd ever want to do is encourage our audience to violence. But at the same time, if you're walking down the street and you see Gonzo, he's a Muppet, John. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know this clown called Gonzo and you know what you know what Fuck Mu Muppet as well because that's the ex escalation of this nope. first clowns then Muppets but Muppets are cool John, Mu John you love Muppets I don't know yeah. Brian do you want our kids to be safe on the street I yeah. think if you're going to deal with the clown problem you need novelty sized props and not real violence you need, you need like a little backpack and then you pull out like a tiger and you're just like fucking get him I think you think you need you need anti clown death squads patrolling the streets is what I think. Yeah, the suicide squad. What are, what are clowns scared of? What could we dress as? Cats. <laughs> no. Just just like cats walking around with like baseball bats and 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 like guns. 
do you know what clowns are scared of? When you don't stop laughing. <laughs> just fucking laugh at them. Like, just keep laughing. And they can't tell the next joke because you're screaming laughs at their face. They'll just cease to exist. Is that not their... Is that not their desire, though? Is that not what they want? No, they actually go mad. Yeah, but like you know, you know how it's like like a really really fat man will eat like all the food, but at one point he's gonna burst. Like so, you're laughing, and he's just like, "The joke's over. I told it. Like you can stop. Next one." You've trapped them in their perfect prison. Yeah, I read a thing before how people thought that this was like a marketing ploy because the new It film is coming out. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I really hope that that's how it started and there's some like executive in Los Angeles being like oh shit oh no <laughs> I, I read a really really cool thing the other day uh, the guy who directed the horror movie we like clown um, he's like one of those indie up and coming directors that now has been given responsibility to a superhero movie you know which one's he directing Spider-Man Homecoming is that the sequel to Silent Hill Homecoming no Okay, it's could you double check that after it's, it's the It's the prequel, John, I okay, know. Yeah, okay. I've, I was reading up on it. I really, really like when Hollywood does that, when they get someone who has no idea how the system works and just fucking ruin them. Why do you like that? That's so I don't sad like that at all. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> We've been sarcastic for the last 10 minutes, Neil. I know, but it's Wait, just you were so sarcastic? Cru- <laughs> it's just so cruel. We are the strongest video games podcast. We are a video games podcast, despite how the last 13 or so minutes went. Um, I am sitting here with the woman who has suffered a thousand defeats, but a billion victories. It's Neve. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and the man who hides in all skeletons, Brian. I am inside your marrow, yeah. feasting upon her. <laughs> So, I got sucked down a weird YouTube hole this week, and I started watching a Yu-Gi-Oh! unboxing channel. Like the cards? Yeah. I, I, I don't know how, like, I just ended up subscribed to this channel called Simply Unlucky, and it's one of those channels where I'd never click on the videos, it would just appear in my subscription week after week, and then I was like, I should unsubscribe, because I never watch it, but then I always have this thing where I'm like, no, you gotta watch one video before you unsubscribe, to be sure. And the way he does it is like, what's up guys, Simply Unlucky here, I'm just gonna, uh, just gonna unbox some uh, Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And then he finds like a piece of like, kind of orchestral sort of classical music that builds throughout the entire video. So he's like opening all the cards and he's like, well, it looks like we got a Harpy Brother here, 1,800 attack, 500 defense, Mm -hmm." but it keeps building and building and building until eventually he opens the packet that has the rare card for that episode. And just as that does, the music swells and like explodes and he's like, no way, no way, shiny, first edition Regeki, yes, yes, yes. And... I just, there's some, maybe it's because I used to collect Yu-Gi-Oh! It sounds very satisfying. there's some level of just vicariously living through this guy. I think it's just kind of interesting because it's like... How long are his videos? 20 minutes. I don't want to watch that. I know, yeah. Like, I'll stick it on in the background while I'm doing something else. But, like, I think it's cool when you find something and you're like, I would never watch that. 
And then you find someone who's like, just got it down to a fine art and they know exactly how to make you excited. I'm not saying it's not an absolute waste of time, but God damn it, life's, life's tough sometimes. Are guys. you drawing in your sketchbook or anything while this is going on? Oh, I'm not, I'm not sitting there with my arms folded, like looking at this. I'm, I'm doing other stuff. Because I remember one time I was watching an unboxing video, but it was like three in the morning and I was like, I should be asleep right now. But here I am with my hands like smushed up against my face, having a great time watching this guy going through his Asian gro grocery haul. Do you guys watch much unboxing stuff? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because you, you've, what's his name? Uh, my BFF, I don't know him. Um, it's Anthony's Customs. He's a figure reviewer. And I love his videos. Like, uh, How many does he post? One a day. He's really, yeah, he's on the ball. That's a machine. And he reviews like Marvel Legends, SH Figure Arts, like um, Figma, Hot Toys. Like he's, he does a bit of everything. Um, so... And he always, he's just, he's a good guy. We all checked out some rather interesting documentaries. Oh, yes, we did. So the first one, probably the biggest one, we were all like super, super excited about this. Louis Theroux has a new documentary on Scientology. And it's just called My Scientology yeah. Movie. His Scientology documentary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess if you haven't seen Louis Theroux, he's like this really charming British man and like he's really tall and he's kind of really polite and quite stoic but he's kind of awkward and naive too yeah yeah and he has this way of I think just kind of drawing people out of themselves by kind of like there's one thing I always notice he does it's like whenever there'd be like an awkward pause in an interview they're not even really interviews because he's like hanging out with this person for the day he'll just let it sit like he'll let the pause sit and eventually the person will kind of offer up something more. Like, it's really interesting to watch him do that. Oh my god, when he does it, it it makes me so uncomfortable. Because yep. I know I would be the person who would just, I would just say something, because you're staring. Yeah, he's fucking baiting you. Yeah, he it. really yeah, is. Totally. He's good at it. Um, but sometimes it's really barefaced. I guess when you're in the situation one-on-one, -on -one, you don't see it. But when you're watching it as a viewer, you're like, oh. If you, if you guys were to recommend people... One like say you've never seen Louis through. What's one documentary they should check out? Um, I just think you should just go with America's Most Hated Family. Like that's, that's a that's, really good. That, one it's to it's start. just a good example of one about the Westboro Baptist Church. Like, I think um, it's something everyone knows about, and he's one of the documentarians that put him on the map. Um, his two-parter on porn stars is really good as well. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, because one was recorded. I think it's like ten years, seven years. There's there's like a twelve-year gap between a them. Really long gap, and like one is when like the porn industry, I think in the late nineties, was thriving. And then I think the other one is like late into the 2000s when it's on the decline. And that's a really, really fun one. What about you, Neve? Uh, the neo-Nazis one is always good. Oh, that one's rough. There's like a really tense moment where they keep asking him if he's Jewish. Yeah. It's like, that was a moment where I felt scared for Louis. Yeah, yeah. Which doesn't happen often. Yeah. I think you could nearly divide his kind of documentaries into sort of two kinds. One is the kind of like the weird weekend kind mm -hmm. where like he hangs out with alien abduction believers you know that's a really good one as they're well they're all based on kind of uh, offbeat American subcultures yeah and then the other kind tends to be like more kind of like investigative journalism nearly and I'd put the neo-nazi one in that mm -hmm. like it's not it's not it's not fun watching the neo-nazi one's kind of in between the yeah. two because he, then he does the ones about alcohol addiction um, they're autism, real hard hitting yeah like oh the one the alcohol one is tough mm -hmm. like but he's great. You should totally check him out. But anyway, he's released his first feature film, My Scientology Movie. And 
I guess like well, it's worth mentioning we all got our hands on this through torrents torrents and the reason for that is that Ireland where we live has anti-blasphemy laws and you might think wow that's a really stupid archaic law no it was implemented in 2009 because our political system is fucked it's mainly to do with i'm sure everyone's seen it on the streets there'll be a guy on a soapbox just talking about like just reading passages from the bible or something yep uh but it's you can't do the reverse of that where you're like slamming the bible yeah um and so which is ridiculous. Through some loophole, because Scientology, I don't think it's considered a religion in Ireland, but Scientology is a religion, I guess, um, was, uh, I, I guess it didn't get distribution in Ireland because they were too scared that it might get yeah, uh, no... sued under blasphemy. Or... Yeah, I don't know if Scientology had any involvement in that, but I, I, would, I would imagine... From the way they do things, it seems like they do like just look into every nook and cranny, and they found a technicality here, and probably wrote a letter to some organization. It's like distribution yeah. companies over here won't take it up because they were afraid of the fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to fine. They could you do it, and they could probably like be like Scientology isn't a religion here, so they could probably totally be fine with doing it. But Scientology are scary because they have their own huge lawyer firm looking yeah. after their interests so even just being sued over and over and over and people filing lawsuits against yeah. your company is so disruptive that it's not worth it to just show a documentary yeah yeah so with the film itself i thought like the premise was really interesting because right at the gate what louis says is that he wants to show he wants to be the first documentarian to show like a kind of more positive side of Scientology and try and interview Scientologists yeah and that's generally what he does like when he does something on a subject even something that could potentially be seen as really negative like even with the the Phelps the most hated family in America I think at some point he's like I respect their dedication to what they believe but they're super fucked so he does try and find positive things and that was kind of exciting it's to me like, it's nearly he doesn't even go hunting for them because he's such a fly in the wall you get to see these people who you were morally completely opposed to yeah. be real people as well yeah so there's kind of this empathetic streak nearly running through it because they're just humans yeah i guess um so that's i guess was his goal for this yeah and i think kind of it's not really any fault of Louis, but I do feel it's the detriment of the film because of the walls that Scientology and its kind of like members throw up. You never really get that. And to me, it kind of ended up just being another Scientology documentary and maybe maybe a little less effective because it's less direct, like something like Going Clear, which came out a couple of years ago. Yeah, Going Clear came out. Uh, it's done by the guy who directed Enron and The Armstrong Lie. He's a fantastic documentarian. Can't remember his name off the top of my head, but that was done through HBO. Enron's so good. And with Going Clear, he was interviewing loads of ex-Scientologists that all... It seems like a lot of them left in the mid-2000s. Yeah. Um, so he was interviewing a few celebrities and the guy, Marty Rathbun, who was in Louis' film as well. Yeah. And he was also in a BBC one-hour special a few years ago. Which I thought was kind of weird because Louis was also working through the BBC. So he's done two different BBC documentaries. This ex-Scientologist who gets harassed continuously. Yeah. I thought the, the best part of the film for me was just this really small section where Louis is in a hotel room with just a, reg with a really low-ranking Scientology member. And the guy, he's like an actor. 
And he's really not right. This is really creepy line where he's like, sometimes people ask me, you know, do they brainwash people? And I just say, do I look brainwashed? And it's like, <laughs> dude. That guy was great. It was really sad. He pulled out like a whole stack of Tupperware boxes filled with books. And he, was, he said he spent crazy money on it. It's just, it's such a scam to destroy people financially. Jeremy does an episode of Peep Show like that. Where I think Jez and Superhands join a cult and they just keep having to like invest more money to go up levels in it. And they're more and more debt, but they're, they're feeling great about it. Do you think it drives a little on curiosity? Because no one really knows what it's like in there. Yeah, so it's so part secretive. of you just kind of wants to be like, hey, sh- show me, show me, just to see. And then they just brainwash you and then you're trapped. Yeah. I'd say that's a part of it, you mm. know? Or that like you, you, you buy an expensive jacket and it's not nice. But you wear it anyway because you bought it. Mm-hmm. Like you well, have like, to go around wearing that. What I, from what I've seen, it's like, you know the uh, the auditing they do. That's just that's essentially giving someone therapy. Like mm-hmm. auditing is just therapy, except you're holding two things. Like it's nothing more than that. Well, it's it can range into a super abusive therapy because they were yelling. Yeah, like, but like the. But it is just getting you to divulge yeah, your past. But like the low level auditing they do, that's just you going over things in your head like and like going deep into your memories and figuring stuff out and like that's gonna make someone feel good who's never experienced that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. before because you're like oh i guess you know what i actually have been bothered by that my whole life and so when you tie that then into this escalating thing you want to keep feeling that good so you're going to buy into it especially if you're someone who's like kind of troubled already they kind of looking how they went through the auditing in louis documentary it's kind of like they're trying to teach a narcissism or something where they're you're meant to sit there and if you're reacting to someone insulting you like louis was sitting there and a girl was saying stuff to him and it just he wasn't flinching flinching at all and it's then the other the scientologist the ex-scientologist sat down he started yelling at him and that's what got louis to flinch it's Mm. kind of like control getting yourself to control that action that Mm. flinch that you would do and it's like letting people's criticisms of you not affect you and then you think of people like tom cruise well like someone (laughs) like tom cruise who would have like you know he was kind of brat pack actor in the 80s uh, he's probably been detached from reality since the 80s. Like, he's not someone who can walk down to the shop and buy milk. Yeah, they keep him there they, by yeah. just, like, feeding into his narcissism. Yeah, because he'd be someone who has an entourage or just... Like, like he, he's not he's not connected to reality the same way we are. And this was also the second documentary he released. When was the Savile documentary? Monday last week. So the two came out really close proximity. That's what happens when Louis documentaries come out. It's usually like, they just come out like bombs. There's like one or two of them. Yeah. Stephen Bomb. Yeah. Louis Louis Bomb. And so this is a really interesting one as well, because this was on a British television presenter back in the day. I'd say a lot of our American listeners never would have heard of this guy. Yeah. But he was Jimmy Savile. And I think his biggest show was a show called Jim will fix it. Yeah, Jim will fix it. And he was like, on top of the pop. Yeah. He also yeah. had top of the pop. So I guess the American equivalent would be someone like Mr. Rogers meets uh, a very old version of Carson Daly hosting. Totally. Or even uh, like Ryan Seacrest or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like just someone who's hosting a music show, but has a kind of like a, a crazy cool older yeah. man. But, or like Bill Cosby, you know, like really, you know, like Cosby show Bill Cosby. Yeah. Um, and the one of the really strange parts about this guy is like he is connected. Like 
in such a strange way to what seems like so many government officials and the like the royal family like there's a bunch of pictures of him just hanging out with you know the ro- like the queen and the prince and all yeah. this kind of stuff but he, he he used to be a, a dj for bbc radio and his whole thing was that if your hospital needed a new roof you could ring him and the next day loads of checks would arrive at your hospital yeah um, and he was beloved absolutely beloved and louis actually did a documentary about him um, and part of his weird weekends in yeah. 2001 I yeah. think yeah, and like I think it's, it's one of ago. his best episodes it's really strange and like you always get the feeling that there's something something a little strange with Jimmy Savile like there's something not right there and he died I think in 2011 and not long after he did all these like abuse cases started coming out of like all these kind of kids he'd abused and stuff and like it was really bad. It turns out he was like pretty prolific. Like they estimate about three hundred victims. Uh, m- mostly women, I guess. I, I think I did. Children, it's child sexual abuse. It was women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like like young women, females, pretty much. Yeah. And um, this documentary was, I guess, it was kind of about Louis trying to make sense because Louis actually became friends with this guy. Like they became personal friends. Like they weren't hanging out every day, but mm-hmm. it seemed the kind of thing where they'd see each other once or twice a year. Especially if they're both on the BBC. He called yeah. it like an unlikely friendship. Yeah, and it totally was, but um. It was really interesting because Louis, it was much more personal documentary for Louis. Like, I think it, you could tell, especially in the last interview with that woman, that he mm-hmm. was really upset. It's heavy stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I totally encourage people to check out both those Savile documentaries. And if you don't know anything about Scientology, like, if you haven't seen the other stuff on them, the the My Scientology movie is pretty good as well. Like, it's well done. It's a very, very good, like, entry level, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I liked seeing um, the 3D Scientology graphics kind of floating around you oh, don't get to great. see them in such high quality no so they were that was they were good. they were a pleasure i love seeing their their shows with it just looks like a weird un thing but it's mm-hmm. just so decadent brian tell us about the nice guys yeah the nice guys john this is a movie i think you should watch you're either gonna fucking despise this film or think it was pretty decent it's written by written and directed by shane black i don't know if those if those odds even out for me this is no like like it's an original film from Hollywood. You don't get that very often. Okay. It's written and directed by Shane Black, who did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and he would have written like the two, the, the first two Lethal Weapon movies. He directed Last Act, or he wrote Last Action Hero. I love Last Action. Hero. He wrote Long Kiss Goodnight, which is like my favorite Gina Davis movie. Like that's a really really good film. All his movies are set at Christmas for some reason. Like that's his thing. It's the party season. Yeah. Uh, he also did Iron Man Three. I fucking hate that movie. That's Shane Black, and it's super Shane Black because it's like, but like the way he works is that he does neo noir with lots of black comedy mm. and a lot of fast paced dialogue, which which I guess you'd refer to as quipping. That yeah, Avengers quipping. Yeah, um, this guy like him, and I guess the guy who made West Wing, Aaron Sorkin, like they'd be like originals of just like one liner quips. Uh, watching the West Wing turn into fucking Avengers dialogue in the last two seasons is tragic. I think you should watch a newsroom. Newsroom is even worse. I think I, I think I want to watch newsroom just because I, I think that's gonna be such a perfect like. The newsroom is like that multiplied by Coldplay. It's so bad. <laughs> oh <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's fucked. Uh, but anyway, I really really like the Nice Guys. I thought it was a good film, but I'm always 
in the minority about the good films of the year it seems is it a comedy yeah it's really funny what's okay. it about it's a it's a noir film set in 1970s LA and it stars Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe and one's a private investigator and the other is an enforcer that you pay that access muscles to be like stay away from my daughter or stay away from that girl okay that sounds that sounds pretty alright yeah once and, you said he was in it yeah like Ryan Gosling's amazing in mm. it he's so funny in it and Russell Crowe plays a straight guy but he has like a few just like he's kind of just there, 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 there are a few moments where he just nails it yeah I like that he isn't playing himself. Like, he's so serious, it's nice to get a non-serious version. Yeah. Um, I'll have a clip of the movie in the descriptions. It's just a 30-second clip. If you guys just want to watch that link, and if you think it's funny, just maybe watch the rest of the film. But it's a good film. I think everyone should check it out. Even you, John. Even even me? Yeah, even the quipster himself. Uh, <sighs> the, the quipster, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's not... So you can find John online at at the quipster. <laughs> Neve, tell us about A Girl on the Train. Um, it is the most movie movie that exists. <laughs> Emily that's Bain. a sentence. <laughs> it's like, it's literally a 5 out of 10 in every respect. It's so, like, I wasn't bored throughout it. I wasn't excited. I don't think it, it turned on any feelings other than I'm physically watching this happen and I'm not totally bored. Is the film like Gone Girl or something? No, it's nothing. Like I, I, I really love the name of the film because it's like, oh shit, guys, we're really running out of things to make movies yeah. about. Is, is the film based on a book? Yeah, okay. Of course it is. That's it such is. a book name. Yeah. Uh, Paula Hawkins' debut uh, novel. And all you hear about it is like, it's Paula the Hulk. book that rocked the world. It's I've such a boring story. It's so like okay, Emily Blunt is in it, and she's amazing. Yeah, I love her. I like her. Justin yeah. Theroux. Pass, pass that Blunt, Justin. Yeah, our, good our boy, Louis' cousin, Justin Lisa Theroux. Pedro. Phoebe. <laughs> like it has all the makings of Smelly something. Smelly Cat. <laughs> Remember Smelly Cat? Yep. Have you seen the South Park episode with the member berries yet? No. Okay. Okay. Never mind. Watch the new season of South Park. It's I good. Have, yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard it's really good. <laughs> Um, this movie is like it's just bland like they don't get it's a non mystery thriller there's it's not interesting at all I feel like that's like the ultimate like damnation by faint praise like I'm more likely to watch the newsroom than I am mm. to watch this thing because you know one of them's gonna make you angry yeah I, you're gonna feel something like I know I'm gonna be watching newsroom and I'm gonna go <laughs> you know like I'm going to feel you um, will you will it's directed by Tate Taylor and he hasn't done anything to note and the directing is so just like one note it's just really bland he doesn't do anything special there's no nice shot composition like there's a, literally a train by the coast and it looks crap like, is, is the movie shot like handheld style? no it's it's just normal it's like like TV just bad does the movie have like a grey colour palette? Uh, not really. I bet it doesn't does... stick to anything. It's just a normal... It's just... It exists. I like to space. imagine, like, the director was like, no, like, a normal shot. Jeez. Mm. The like... costuming is just normal. They're just dressed like normal people. Like... No, nothing <laughs> weird. Just just shoot it. Just put a jacket on her. <laughs> just a jacket and a scarf. God. Does She's just a person. Does the take place on the train? No. The woman is... Emily Blunt is commuting and she's looking at the train and she sees two houses and one house is her old house where she used to live with her ex-husband 
but they broke up and the other house is this future she imagines. So she's seeing this girl who's having an amazing relationship with this man and she's on the balcony smoking after they had amazing sex and she's kind of, that could have been my life. Man, amazing sex. Or could, <laughs> you know, that's like a thriller. Yeah. <laughs> that's Ooh. all that happens in it. That and murder. Um, and that's just basically, it, it kind of, it's uncovering then a murder happens and that's, and did she see something? Can she remember? Who knows? Was it the obvious answer? Probably. You're going to have to see the film to find the thrilling conclusion. I'm looking forward to torrenting this. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's not... that's the difference between you and me and you, Brian. Like, you will totally, you'll go after this film. Like, you will want to see it. I watch 400 films a year. Yeah. That's 365 days in the year. I watch 400 films a year. I counted it. I think I watch maybe, like, 50 and I'd say a good quarter of them are ones you recommend to me, Brian. Yeah. And you're so hit and miss when you recommend me something. It's like I, I watch way too many I, films. I, like when Brian recommends me something, it's either like one of my favorite films of the year or something I fucking despise. I, I really like the proposal. Sandra Bullock is hilarious in it. So it's a new season of anime and most of the big releases have kind of been out long enough that I have kind of, I've, I've watched pretty much all of them. There's nothing really grabbing me this season so far. It's a lot of stuff that I'm kind of like, maybe I'll like this. Like, say, Yuri on Ice. Um, Yuri on Ice is a beautiful anime about beautiful boys who might end up kissing. But it's really well done. It's about ice skating. Yeah, and like I don't just mean like it looks well. It does look very well. But like just even like the acting on like the kids is really well done. All the staging is really well done. Like The animation is beautiful. It looks good. I haven't really watched a lot of anime like this, so I'm missing like the credentials to know if this is going to be a really solid series or not. People certainly seem excited about it, but did you watch much of it, Neve? Um, I watched a few things, and I watched that a bit of it. I didn't watch it all. Mm. Um, and I love how it looks. Yeah. I'm not really into sport anime either, but I it... think that this is like the loosest definition of a sport yeah. anime. It looks like a feature, like. It's really beautiful. Looking. Yeah, yeah. You said that to me before I watched it, and I hundred percent agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched All Out. That's the rugby one. Yeah, I thought that sucked. I thought that was like totally fine. Like I really, because remember you said to me it was awful, and like I could see being yeah, it's not great, but I feel like it's not awful. When me and Rebecca are watching it, we're like either John will love or hate this. It's fine. The little angry guy. Do you like him? Not really. No. Really? No. I thought, like, maybe you'd identify with his spirit of wanting to just fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, to me, was, like, a pretty competent go of, like, a shonen-style sports anime. Does... I think that's that's one thing I was really surprised about. I really, from, like, all the kind of promotional material and, like, especially the figures, those sexy, sexy figures, it's, like... I really thought this was going to be a sports anime aimed at girls. I was... Or, like, the girls' market. I wanted it to be what those sexy figures were. Yeah. I was really disappointed. And, the like, take a screen cap of the blonde character in this, and no one face model will look the same. His face model was all over the place. There's so many inconsistencies. Yeah, it was really... And, like, that that kind of stuff doesn't bother me too much, but if it is going to bother you, you cannot watch this oh, show. Oh, it drove me nuts. I was mm. like, what? Because you're trying to imagine what this character looks like, and it's like, he looks different in every shot. I guess, like, another thing, like, the show has, like, a very distinct look, and I could see people really not liking it. For me, I've read about 800 chapters of Grappler Baki, 
And so this show is like a pretty version of like Brian, you've seen the drawings in Grappler Backy. Yeah, they look like penis heads. Yeah, <laughs> they're like they're grow now, now like I'll I'll defend the author of Grappler Backy. I think he's unbelievably talented. I just think he chooses to draw things grotesquely. Yeah, he does. But this show is like a pretty version of that. I, I don't have that much to say about it other than that. I thought it was like I'll watch episode two, you know? Do, um I went to a rugby secondary school and I learned a lot about like the spirit of rugby and the whole idea about rugby is that it is for boys of all shapes and sizes to play because you get like your average body type and they're an all-rounder but you still need like tanks yeah and that's for defense that's one thing you need little guys for uh tackling and that's one thing i really liked about the show i felt like the diversity in like the boys designs there was all like there's the captain of the team and he's just like a big fat guy like he looks strong but he's like a big fat guy big barrel then there's like then there's a guy who's like his influence is Yujiro Hanma from Grappler Baki Baki's dad he looks like Baki's dad with just like little white bits in his hair oh god I hate that design so much it's the like hair is really gross <laughs> um it's but, just you know how like if you watch a basketball anime you're gonna get a bunch of tall dudes yeah um, and that's fine but you know but like they even say that in the episode, I think that's where the heart of the show is. Like anyone gets to be a star in rugby. Once it, it's you're touching true. The yeah, and I thought that was kind of nice. Like yeah. I liked that. It's what I like about rugby. Yeah. Like at soccer, they all look the same. Now I think traditionally with anime, it's like you know, first episode, all the budget goes there. Second episode, huge drop off. I don't think the show looks terrible. It cannot afford a drop off like no. at all. So I mean, we'll see. Brian, you checked out one Occult Nine. Occultic Nine. Occultic Nine. Which is done by A1 Studios, who've yep. done Fairy Tale, Ireland's favourite anime. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking love it. Yep. Also, apparently Fairy Tale anime ended last or like a few months ago. Oh where I didn't hear about that. Yeah, that that that's why that anime group on Facebook are very upset at the moment. Sometimes I think of how much Fairy Tale I've actually watched and I wanna cry. <laughs> they also did the Phoenix Ride anime which was dog shit oh god i got like three minutes into that and i was like nope occultic nine i'm i'm gonna watch one anime this season and it's gonna be occultic nine because i thought the backgrounds looked great the backgrounds look great but like the comping the looked amazing fucking unreal comping me and brian have both spent considerable amount of our career as like animation compositors and so we appreciate some nice compositing yeah very very good post-production values yep uh, it's, it seems like it's like Bacano or Durara. That's ex- yeah, I totally got that vibe. Where they it. introduce 10 different characters who all overlap each other. And you, you're, you're not going to know who everyone is until like episode 8. And you're used to the designs and each subplot. But it seems to be about a bunch of people who are interested or involved with ghost conspiracies, ghost hunting, and are ghosts real? That whole idea. Yeah. And there's a murder mystery. Yeah. And, like, it had a nice vibe to it, I thought. I found it kind of relaxing. Yeah. Like, kind of chilled, but, like, a little edgy as well. Yeah. And 90% of the character designs are fantastic. Oh, man. 90% of those characters. The studio also did all the Persona animes. That makes sense. Yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. And they did the Fire Emblem Fates animation. Oh, really? Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, like, so, this is definitely done by the A-Team, and... For the most part, they, there are some slick designs in this show. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say anything more. The other 10%, you will know what I'm talking about when you see it. It will smack you right in the face, and you'll yeah. be like, what is that design doing in this show? Yeah. Uh, let's just see how we get on. I still have a very, very strict rule about three episodes. 
Uh, but I'm going to... I really, really want to watch all of this because I'd like to watch one anime thing a year. <laughs> well, like... Uh, yeah, like, I'm going to... The biggest... The best thing I can say about any anime when I watch the first episode is, like, I'm going to watch the second, you know? Yeah. Like, even Mob Psycho. Like, I... That was, that was definitely my favourite anime last season. And I really loved the first episode, and then I really fell off it for a little while. Like, I wasn't really into the middle arc, but then when it kind of starts building, and then, like, the, the last episode of Mob Psycho is the best episode by far. Like, it's amazing. So, I think it's... It's, it's something I struggle with a lot. Like, when do you drop an anime? But three-episode test is usually reliable enough. Yeah. And the only other thing... I, I've watched pretty much everything... Drifters was one that a lot of people were really hyped about and what it's about is like these like war characters like these characters from famous war like Nobunaga and stuff like this all being brought to this fantasy land to fight each other I didn't know that was a story going in I thought it was just a samurai anime but no he's gonna like he's gonna throw down with like Joan of Arc and shit it's uh, Genghis Khan in it I I would nearly guarantee I, I have I don't think he like I haven't seen that he is maybe it'll be like oh shit I, I nearly guarantee he's in it um, it's a real similar concept to the Fate Zero series yeah which has the daughter of King Arthur yeah and that no thing. that's King Arthur oh uh, the history books lied King Arthur was actually a cute girl Saber my, yeah Saber oh, okay. my my 16 year old brother tried to explain Fate's Day to me like a month ago and nope really? it makes less sense than Kingdom Hearts it's yeah it's a weird series it's like it looks really pretty, but it's also really dry. But anyway, sorry, Drifters. And that's it. Trailers look good. Show kind of looks like shit. John's favorite anime of the year. Sure. Um, eight Johns out of a possible seven. Eight Johns out of a possible seven. Why should you watch coming soon? <laughs> and then I checked out one more. I'll get on to games soon. But Working, which is like... Working? Working. And all it is... You're selling it. It's a cool English word. <laughs> it's... It's like a VR game that Neve would make. It's just about a bunch of people working in a cafe. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm always trying to find, like, I'm trying to go outside of my comfort zone with anime more lately because so much of what I watch is, like, shonen. boys punching each other yeah, slowly. Yeah, shonen battle bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, you know, that's my favorite genre, but I'm not going to argue with that description. Maybe you should watch Slice of Life at Moy Girls. I try, but I get so fucking mad. Maybe you should watch something about Six Brothers. No. <laughs> no. You can have your favorite brother and your least favorite brother. That show, that's the. Uh, Brian is referring to Osumatsu san. That show is. Oh, yeah, Osumatsu. Oh, I was talking about a different brother show. God, Brian, I hate you. Osumatsu san's totally fine and totally competent, just not for me at all. And um, this show, Working, is like. It's about this little cafe, but I guess what I liked about it is it's like the main character comes into it. And everyone doesn't trip over their dick trying to impress the main character. He's like walking into a pre-established ecosystem. And they all, all the relationships are kind of going on. And it's like, there's a sense that, and that's kind of, when it, kind of what I like about like small businesses. You know, when you walk into a shop and sometimes you get an indication. Now, you remember that printer that we go to? Yes. And when I was there first, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that guy there is having an affair with that girl. And you were like, Really? And then we looked over, and if by fucking magic, his hand just, like, trails along her back. Not only that, but the girl beside them rolled her eyes as if to be like, fucking stop, you guys. Oh, and so, I, I like stuff like that. I like miniature human ecosystems. And I've only watched the first episode of this, but, like, it looks nice, and I totally got that. And there were some, and, like, the characters, 
it introduces like seven characters at once. They're all employees of this cafe, and like they were all distinct, and it was, they all had like their kind of clear little gimmicks, but they were all kind of fun. And so I'm gonna try watching more because I really do want to watch more slice stuff. Let me recommend to you a uh, new anime this season. Hibikei Euphonium season two. I've really, really been meaning to watch that because I it's like good stuff. It's it's maybe it's a little bit of a Yuri anime. <laughs> I like it's me some Yuri. It's a total Yuri. I like anime. a little bit of Yuri. But they um they play brass band items. I I, I watched like an episode or two of that for the Phantom World video I did, and I was like, man, I wish I was just doing a video on this. Um, season one has that annoying thing where that season one have an anime, it's how I feel about Free, where everyone's at odds with each other and they need to get over their bullshit so we can get into the more interesting stuff. Yeah, so, guys, we gotta go fight Cell. I love season two um, already because these characters, I'm really starting to like them a lot. It's, it's really good. We're going to move into our strategy talk. Tell us about Deus Ex DLC. I'm gonna break this into two parts, pros and cons. Okay. Okay, first the pros. That is a good story. That is some really good polished DLC. Um, it really characterized Jensen really like heavily. He has a sense of humor. There seems to be better voice acting in it. Um, Pritchard from the first game, uh, Human Revolution comes back and kind of gives you a mission and they have a really good chemistry. They're kind of like um, Jensen. Eh, whatever they have a good chemistry together and it's just a really fun story you get a new bank for you to break into what's what's like the premise behind this dlc is it post-game dlc or is See, it this, side this story leads into the cons so it's, this is hard to talk about the pros actually without the cons the con is you don't access this from the main game you go into an option and it's called jensen's stories and you're given this little map to go around and it just does not connect you're given a dump of praxis kits to rebuild your jensen so you're not playing with your in-game character or anything really man yeah. that seems to go so against what deus ex is yeah so it's yeah. like you get this blank slate and they're like okay here's 15 praxis kits which you used to buy and then you're trying to remember that's what lazy did I buy? um and i went in kind of recurated the character but then the difficulty of the dlc is kind of hamstrung by that too because they're like Oh, what are they gonna spec as? So it's really easy. Like it's easy from uh, like if I want to go shooting, like easy from that aspect. It's easy from a stealth aspect. It's easy from a non-lethal aspect because they're like they don't know how you're gonna spec, and it's mm. not balanced for you to spec any real way. So it was mostly going through it for the story, and the good gameplay was hampered by how small this map was now. Like there's an apartment building in it that they used for two locations, the top and the bottom of it. Like, it makes it feel very small very quickly. Well, how long is it? Uh, it's a good length. I've been, like, I'm not finished it yet, and I've been playing it for, like, two and a half hours, I'd say. Yeah. Like, the bank is fun, but it's as much as you get out of it, you're given a giant bank to break into, so you can either go to your objective or you can go into every room. Yeah. Kind of thing. So it's just, it's disconnection from the main game makes it really disappointing, but as a story and a piece of add-on add -on content, it's really great yeah it's good stuff so um i've been playing river city tokyo rumble which is a 3ds game and based on a nez series yeah and this game kind of approaches a question that i'm always curious about 
you have these old scrolling beat-em-ups, and I've talked about, you know, this kind of stuff before, like Streets of Rage in Final Fight. You're a tough guy, walking down an alley, beating up a bunch of idiots, and then fighting a boss. And um, my uncle used to fix arcade machines, and I started off games playing these kind of games. Like, I have a lot of, a lot of fondness for this genre. But as time went on, and as arcades became less popular, these games kind of they don't really work outside an arcade setting because most of them are like an hour and a half long, maybe at the most. And there's and most of the time spent is because they're hard. Yeah, yeah. And like you get the odd exception, like um, Turtles in Time for the Super Nintendo is that right up there at Streets of Rage 2. Like they're both amazing, amazing games. But they still suffer from like, they take two hours to beat if you know what you're doing. And I'm always kind of keen to find a game that's going to recontextualize this genre. Like, a certain amount of its, like, character action, like Bayonetta, Devil May Cry has done it to a certain degree, but it's still not really the same vibe. And so I downloaded this game, kind of seeing if this could do it. And their answer to it is, like, it's now an open world. Like, the scrolling beat-em-up is an open world. And it's... They've also added a bunch of, like, leveling up system and upgrades. And I'm still... A little on the fence about it there's some really like questionable game design decisions like to your attack button and your block button is the same so if you walk up to a guy and you start punching him he might punch you back but because you're already pressing it's contextual so all, because you're already pressing block you'll block his punch and then just keep punching him and so there's no real that just sounds like you're auto comboing uh, offense and defense yeah a little bit and then the other side of that is then you get boss characters who can pretty much do that to you. And so that doesn't sound like fun. your only real option then is like to kind of jump, keep jump kicking them or kind of find a special move. I really want to like the game because it's got a cool look. Like it has the original 2D sprites against this really basic but nice 3D background. Yeah, yeah. It's got like a Paper Mario 2.5D feel to it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And they're doing what they can to kind of like there's cutscenes in it, but... It's like you you make allies along the way, but like there's all these what I feel like are missed opportunities to really flesh out the characters. Because even though the game's meant to be kind of stupid, they're trying to infuse it with some humor. And so far, like all the humor I've seen is like every day you start off in class and you always like leave class before it starts, and your teacher's like, "No, don't go," and you're like, "Don't worry about it, babe." And like it's meant to be tongue in cheek, but the cleverness isn't there to really pay it off so it just comes across as kind of tired and I am totally open to being won over by the game but right now it's 30 quid and it's not a 30 quid game like not even close the original designs and the artwork they're kind of like you Hakusho delinquents where they're just kind of guys in white uniforms with like small pompadours yeah. like they're, they're like shark fin pompadours yeah. aren't they? yeah like I like there's guys in this with cool bars, exact color palette. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, like it has that kind of retro look. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I'll, I'll update at some point, but for now, like, if you're tempted by this game, even if you're super into scrolling beat-em-ups, I, like, maybe a tenner, but I couldn't advise it at 30. Like, not at all. I think the original River City Ransom games, because I was looking at gameplay of them, like, the other week. I think they're from, like, the late 80s. Yeah. Because the game I played was a NES game as well called Little Samson. Why don't you tell us about Little Samson, Brian? All right. This is a late era NES game. So this is 
when the SNES was out, but the NES was still releasing titles. So this is after Super Mario World, which I guess like still holds up as a platformer. Like it has sharp game design. Totally. Because I I never owned a NES because I was too young for one. I guess like the first home console I owned was a SNES, but I owned a late entry SNES. Um, but this is one of the like later games on the NES, and. It's a Taito, it's, it's, it's made by Taito, and it's a platformer called Little Samson, which sounds like it's like a Bible adventure yeah. for some reason. Uh, but you, you just play as like a little green boy who can transform into a dragon, a stone golem, and a mouse. <laughs> and it's really, really charming. Yeah. Um, oh, it's like it's it's Samson of myth, you know, where you yeah. put his hair. That's Samson. Yeah. Uh, it's got a very very different name in Japanese really oh. yeah uh, but yeah in the west it's called Little Samson and I'm just playing it on my Game Boy just using an emulator and it's super charming I really really like it um, most NES games I don't like like I find that Mega Man games kind of hard to play because the hit collision is kind of fucked on them because they're old games and the programming isn't very good I don't know. I think Mega Man 1 certainly was like that. I thought Mega Man 2 onwards were pretty sharp. They're good, are they? Oh, they're fantastic. They're, they're still like... They're Mega, Man, Mega Man 2 to me is as good as Super Mario Land. Okay. Because uh, like, this game is super tight. Mm. Um, and like even his jump animation, he does a twirl when he jumps. It's not just they're moving the sprite up and down. Like It's got full animation. I, like, I, I love Lady Air games because of that. I, that's what I was just about to say. I always think like... If you want to see what like a console can do, you have to go to late generation because the jump in between the two, like there's a bunch of there's a bunch of late generation NES games that you would nearly mistake for SNES games. Yeah, because the Kirby game for the NES came out after Super Mario World as well. Because like Super Mario World came out in, like 1992 and it was a launch title for the SNES. Like that's fucking crazy. Yeah, and then like four years later, Mario sixty four came out. Like there's such a fucking jump. That's crazy, Jesus. Um, but yeah, like. Like like even Conquer's Bad Fur Day for the N sixty four is a late era three D platform, but that one has like full voice acting and the hands aren't bricks, they're individual fingers that mm-hmm. animated and that wasn't like a thing until like the following era or the yeah. following generation. And like even something I guess like GTA three compared to uh San Andreas, I guess. There was there's a huge gap. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm playing it. It's a pretty. Do you know game. if it's available on Wii or anything like that? Might be. I can't remember. Like all the kind of like retro game YouTube channels, they'll always have a little Samson video. Yeah, I think uh, Stop Skeletons from Fighting's talked about it before. Yeah, he has it. Uh, the two guys, uh, GameSack, always talk about it. And the video game historian has a little Samson sprite in the background of all his videos. Like he just has one of those like you know like a large sprite yeah. thing on his wall, yeah. Like it's I really really like Taito. I think they made Bubble Bobble as well. Like they're real good at cute oh, sprite no designs. Yeah, that, yeah, those are such good games. And I don't think they exist anymore. Um. So I dropped Doom. Oh really? Yeah. And Too spooky for you. Yeah, it's a really really well made game. Like it's so good. It's just not doing it for me. Not like shooter it, guy. I think this is like if I found like a really technically perfect fighting game and put it in front of someone who is real casual about fighting games, this would be their reaction. Like 
it's the kind of thing where like it's so well designed that it feels fantastic when I'm playing it. It feels really good. And then like, you know, I play it for an hour, I turn it off, and I don't think about it again. It's gonna be Giant Bombs Game of the Year. It is gonna be Giant Bombs Game of the Year. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. Um because it takes it takes all the boxes. Yeah, it does. It's but it's so their kind of game, you know. Yeah. But um I I think you should check it out, Neve. Like I think you'd really you'd appreciate how movement works in that game. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for it to go down in price, so you can borrow mine if you want. Nice. Okay. But um and it is cool and like there is interesting stuff going on, but I just feel like I keep traveling to a different location hitting like activating the net the like waves of enemies killing those enemies moving on and there's just nothing in there keeping me invested oh my god that's like halo that's everything that's, <laughs> that's destiny but forever in a loop yeah and like even i think if the personality of it was different it might appeal to me more mm. but i don't think it lacks personality i think it has a lot of personality like it's really clever in what it does I think there's just all these like like nods and winks that are just kind of lost on me. So like, this is totally not a recommendation not to play Doom. Like I think most people will like it, but I just kind of had to come to the point where I was like, I don't really give a shit about this game. You know, it's a really good game that will absolutely not be in my top ten this year. Not even your top ten? Oh no way! Serious? There's going to be games worse than this in my top ten that I like better. Okay, I'm gonna play Doom because someone needs to block for Doom. Well, like, it's the kind of thing where, you know, we do an end of year podcast. We do, like, game of the year podcast at the end of the year and we knock off each game one by one. Um, there is no way in hell I am going to use up any of my, like. You're not fighting for this. Any game. of my. I'm not fighting for mm. Doom. Like, it deserves to be high, but I'm not gonna fight it for it. It deserves someone to fight for it, so I'll do it. I'll, like, because I know you guys will put some garbage weirdo thing in there above Doom. I'm sure whatever this year's Undertale you know, is about to come out. Why don't you just fucking out. say it, Neve? Sonic Dream Collection. Yeah, <laughs> that there. is going to be a mark on our. Well, it's a good game. Integrity. It's a, yeah, it's in, the, it's in the let's fight a boss for a hot work. It's, it's better than the last three Sonic games. Yeah. Good game. And Neve, like the only way for it to get into the Let's Fight a Boss Hall of Hard Work and Success is that we've all played it and we all approve of it. So how to get in there? <laughs> yeah, Neve, you really like that game, don't you? Yeah. Um. Then the I played. The only other thing I played was the Resident Evil remake is free on PSN this PS this Plus, month. Yeah. PS Plus, yeah. And it's was such a weird experience booting that up because. To me, Resident Evil has become, like, a parody of itself. Like, you know, Resident Evil 6 had the kind of, like, the reception it had. And Capcom have been so weird with, like, the marketing behind Resident Evil 7. They've said how they want to focus it on, like, a younger, fashion oriented generation. All this kind of stuff. <laughs> Here's your crazy Kevin Hicks fashion. Yeah, I know. Fashion. <laughs> but that's what they said. They wanted, they, they wanted to appeal to young, fashionable teens with Resident Evil. And, like, so there's been so much... Like, that series has been on the decline for so long. And the movies. Oh, God. The movies are genius. They're their, they're their own thing. There's, like, seven of them now. I, I don't think... I, don't, I see them in the cinema every time they come out. I don't think you can, call, you can like, judge those two things. Like, even more so than usual, the I, I, films are their own weird... I, 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 I think films Mila... are more Resident Evil than Resident Evil is anymore. Mila, who plays Alice in it, I think she's like executive producer in all of them now. Yeah, yeah, and I think she's married to the director. Like they're her films. She they're her did children. The costume design on three, and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, she loves it. It's her franchise. I really need to watch the Resident Evil CGI movies. 
I bet there's some They're gold really in good. there. Um, the Leon one with Claire Redfield. They get trapped in a hole. It's good stuff. Is there any, is, is, is there any CGI ones with Jill? I'm sure she shows up, yeah. Hey guys, I'm here to buzz you out of this hole. <laughs> but anyway, all that aside, um, I was playing the Resident Evil remake, and like the thing that really struck me is like that is such a fucking amazingly designed game. I was playing like the first sequence with Jill, you know where you go around the corner and the zombie turns his head, and the way they do it is so clever because like the zombie starts coming at you, but they shoot it from this camera angle. It's all like you know fixed perspective camera angles that you and him can't be in the same shot without him being close enough to attack you. So you have to run back into the previous screen. That doesn't work either. You can't see him because the camera's pointing like away from him. So you have to run further away again. And it creates this like real, oh shit, like what am I doing? Like, And it makes the first enemy of the game really like scary and threatening. It's genius because it's making a limitation of the backgrounds mm. um, into part of the gameplay yeah. to like it's like Silent Hill in the fog mm -hmm. like it just works it makes it they work yeah it doesn't limitation. overcome its yeah. limitation it like uses it mm -hmm. and um, every zombie placement for the first like four or five zombies are all like so well thought out and so like like there's, there's game design philosophy 101 exactly it's, it, and it's like there's, there's one bit where like you know there's a zombie corpse and you haven't killed it but next to it is like two healing plants. And at this point you've already fought like two or three zombies. So you'll probably need them. And so you want the healing plants, but the zombies right there. And like, it's, it's amazing. Like it, it, it just reminds me like, wait, no resident evil, like is used to be serious shit. Like these games used to be incredible. And that remake game still incredible. And it looks good. Not like good for a game that was made 10 years ago. It looks good. Like it looks better than what I'd consider it a better looking game than most of what I played this Those year. Those fixed backgrounds really allow a game to stand the test of time. Yeah, yeah. Because they were just beautiful illustrations. And that just let them dump all the polygons into mm. the models, which hold up a hundred percent. So if you have PSN, you should check out that game. It's it's awesome. And use the use the old controls. Don't use the new controls. Did you play Transformers? Yeah, I played Not that. Yet, no. Pretty good. I'm gonna check it out. It's a platinum game. Platinum. It's got dodging, and when you dodge, it slows down time. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Um, it has shooting in it as well, and that's shit. No. Like there are the plane transformers, and they just fly around, and you have to shoot them, and it sucks. Starscream, please, Brian. No, they they they're not Starscream. They're they're like they're 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 grunts. Has they're Starscream grunts. been in it yet? Oh yeah. What's his voice like? It's the it's all the original voice actors. So it's like. Megatron! Yeah, but like, that doesn't mean anything. Megatron! But like, the Michael Bay films <laughs> I had found the Optimus Prime! Like, 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 it's all the same voice actors, but they've been voicing, like, that's not new. I'm gonna write a Starscream fan fiction and then do an audio CD for it. Good. Maybe you should just do that voice for the next, for the rest of the podcast, maybe. <laughs> maybe I will. <laughs> oh, okay. And with that, we are going to move into our quick time events! So, the immortal ones, kings of the games industry, paragons of virtue, digital homicide, have dropped their lawsuit against the Steam users claiming that it has destroyed the companies. I can't, I, like, I have never ever been happy about like the development studio, anything bad happening to them, anything all, like, 
But these guys are such useless assholes and they keep screwing up and now they're like, well, that ruined the company. And it's like, no, you ruined your company. They're just two, they're just people who are just so defensive. And like, if they had admitted to themselves that maybe they should stop, this could have stopped way sooner. But they just kept going. It's like a bunch of stubborn fools. Yes. They could have. They Pure could. Rules. They, they <laughs> yeah. could have kept releasing like their games, and they could have kept riding off the publicity that Jimquisition mm. has brought them. You know, but they're the ones who like choose to like sue this. And, oh man, I'm I'm glad it's over. Like they were, they were silly people. What a pack of wallies! What it was like watching a Keenan and Kel episode where everything just keeps getting worse. It's, it's escalating into... And they're oh doing it to God, themselves. it really is, isn't it? But could they not be like Tommy Wiseau from The Room and just, like, embrace the shitness? And, like, we're, 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 we're the development studio to make the shitty games. Come laugh at our games. Like, get PewDiePie to pay, play our shitty game I mean, and boost the sales on they, the shitty if game. If they stopped asset flipping, they could probably... That would have been a direction they could go on. Mm-hmm. But now they're... It works for bad movies all the time. Yeah. Like... There's totally a market for that in games. Yeah, but I guess they thought they were making art. Yep. Stolen art. I guess so. Um, I don't think they stole any art. I think they just they just bought, like, a Unity package. And just very walked that fine line. Yep, yep. So not stealing, but not creating. Um, did you guys see the Beyond Good and Evil, Evil 2 teaser imagery? Yeah, I was reading about that. Uh, that's Michelle Ansel, who's the creator of Rayman as well. He doesn't actually work full-time at Ubisoft anymore. He left and formed his own studio. I with... think his relationship with Ubisoft is a little complicated as yeah. well. It's not smooth sailing between those two. They're not going to support fully support uh, Beyond Good and Evil game because Ubisoft are like, they, they'll only bet on winners. And that's a <laughs> beloved title. And Like, they have their UB Arts stuff, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. like, it's not going to be Grow Home or that one with the little, the little red... Yarn guy. Yarny. 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 I was really disappointed that that wasn't meant to play great. Yeah. A lot of those platformers suck. Yeah. All anyone wanted from Yarny was a figure of Yarny. I think there's one out now. I'd buy that. (laughs) The little little guy. But you have to buy the game as well. Uh, yeah, so Michel Ansel on his Instagram, he's posting uh, concept art of uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2 character designs. And I, I guess it's one of those games where every few years they're like, is it still in development? It's kind of like... It's been in pre-production for eight years. Yeah, it, it's, it's like Last Guardian. Yeah. It's one of those games. And he says it is in pre-production. It's in very early pre-production still. What would that game even be now? Like, I've had the remaster of Beyond Good and Evil and like yeah because it's a it PS2 is, game. yeah it's of the time it's like a platformer it's like a Spyro but with a camera um, so what does this version what does Beyond Good and Evil 2 look like I'd say if you asked him open world with he towers could, he couldn't tell you mm-hmm. it'd be open world with towers do you think yeah, I, I mean I think, I think it would be a trying like because they've been doing that for years I think they're trying to move away from that now I believe it was Blimps in one of the recent Far Cry's do you think do you think those towers and watch those too? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. How else do you unlock a map, Brian? There's towers in Breath of the Wild as well. It, it's bleeding over. That is that definite? Yeah. Then that's really sad. They showed it in the de- yeah yeah they, 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 it's towers. It's how you unlock portions of the map with more objectives to do. 
It's, it, it's, it's what that is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Gameplay. <laughs> God damn it. Can you suck now? That's why we talked about anime for 45 minutes. <laughs> we don't want to talk about the, the elephant in the room, but, the, you know, it's not that good. Um, Brian, I'll have you know that games are great. Hello Games being investigated for fraud. <laughs> oh man, actually, you know what? Let's let's hold off on that for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Overwatch Halloween skins. Yeah, it drops tonight. Um, Even on PS4. Yeah, Halloween event starts tonight. Runs until November first. Uh, Halloween loot boxes in the shape of a jack o' lantern. And you can get twelve new skins and a hundred unique items. Twelve new skins. Yeah, there's twelve. Twelve characters get a new skin. So that's it leaves the other ten out in the cold, I guess. No Halloween skin for Bastion. Does he get one? I don't think so. Um, let me see. Let me try and figure out who okay. can get one. Tracer, definitely. No. What? I, 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 I know uh, the big fat Mad Max guy gets one. Yeah, Roadhog gets one. Um, he's Frankenstein. Frankenstein's monster. Sure. Uh, Junkrat is Frankenstein. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Dr. Junkenstein. Uh... Farah gets some kind of glowy armor. Hanzo get, is grey skinned, kind of undead. Uh, Mercy gets her cute witch outfit that, <gasps> that she had in that artwork. I think Mercy's like the best design in that game. Yeah, she is. Everyone loves Mercy. She's good. Yep. Um, who else? I can't think. I don't think she gets one. What the fuck? Is she just put she, a witch hat on her. But she's already spooky enough, isn't she? Um, Reaper gets uh, a. Oh, fucking Reaper gets... Yeah, okay. I really wish, wish Reaper was like he just got a proper Grim Reaper costume. Yeah. That would be, be amazing. <laughs> oh my God, the fucking... Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. But it's part of the canon now that Reaper's character, Gabriel Reyes, met all the costumes for... Hey, yeah, I saw that on Tumblr. Had that monster. become a thing? Uh, it's in the comic. There's a comic released. And that's canon. With that. Yeah. Overwatch. McCree's a werewolf hunter... Kind of guy. You see, people well, talk a lot of shit about the lore in Overwatch, but it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> and the most interesting part of this is there's a new game mode, which is a horde mode. Which what is are what? the enemies? Junkenstein uh, 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 has made scrap robots that are your enemies that come in waves. I'll play the shit out of that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You, it's limited to a few characters, like um, I think it's mostly offense ones. Oh. Um, so it's not the full ro- roster, but there seems to be kind of a narrative going through it a little bit. Oh, I'm going to boot yeah. up Overwatch. Um, Fair yeah. play, Blizzard. It's cool that they tried something completely new. Yeah. Um, so that's a fun event starting now. Go o- Overwatch continues to be an interesting thing. That'll work with that community for sure. Yeah. Um, did you see the Sombra design leak? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I actually saw the design leak. Yeah. yeah. She's a... So, first of all, do you guys think it's legit? I'm going to say no. I don't think it is. She's a Mexican assassin. Is that what she is? She's and a she's connected with Reaper. So there's nothing. Spanish hacker. There's oh, no, oh, she's a hacker. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. nothing really like solid out about her. Um, well, if she's a hacker. That means she just she's going to be tricky. To people play think us. she's a hacker because of all the hacking shit in the terrible ARG game. <laughs> but oh yeah, that's kind of it. Um, I am totally on the fence. I don't know. If it's legit or not. Apparently there's a bunch of people saying that this is a this is from Blizzard. Mm. But that still doesn't mean it's legit. If it is legit, I kind of feel like... Like, we haven't seen the full character. We've only, only seen, like, you know, like, sort of... Bust kind of bust, kind of thing, yeah. yeah. 
but it's a perfectly functional kind of boring design a lot of people say she looks like a battleborn character she 100 percent. she has the battleborn haircut yeah she really you know does. what i mean so she has half her head shaved um with an asymmetrical her hair flipped over yeah cool. you know a girl game character in the 2010s mm-hmm. yeah um does she have a purple streak in her hair she has she two purple literally lines has... on the shaved part of her head yeah. <laughs> nice uh I think like like her character design doesn't seem in any way iconic like the other ones. But if it was the final one, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I feel like the fan. I saw some really good fan art of her already, and like, I was it's like, not oh, okay, offensively yeah. bad. It's just I feel like every other design in Overwatch is such a home run. Yeah, and like put it this way, this is the last Overwatch character I'd want as a figure. So you have to figure out her personality before I make that decision. But like just <laughs> on an snippets of But dialogue. just on like an aesthetic level. Yeah, I know yeah. I get you completely. Yeah, it doesn't do much for me either. I like to think that this is an intentional blizzard leak and this is Sombra leaking Sombra. Because uh, Same thing happened with the spy in uh, Team Fortress. Oh really? The spy was leaked in the exact same way. <laughs> so I think it could be something like that. Because it's a photo of a desktop screen. Like, it's a few pieces removed from something. Yeah. That's how things get leaked. Yeah. But I um, hope it's good. Tekken 7 adds Miguel. It's... I'm shocked that that was kind of like... I kind of assumed. Who's just Ma- assumed he was yeah. in that. <laughs> Who's Miguel? So Miguel is this, like, giant... Is he Spanish? I think he's Spanish. That yeah. sounds Spanish. like a Spanish name. And... Um, I like the idea behind his character. He's meant to be a big, just tough fucking guy. And he doesn't know martial arts. He's just strong. He just learned to fight from beating people up in bars. Luke Cage. I think his story is him on his friend's wedding day. And the church gets bombed. I think it might have been his wedding day. (gasps) Yeah. Aye, aye, aye. What I kind of never liked about Miguel is he sort of suffers from kind of problem with Tekken where everyone's fighting style kind of blends mm. and so he does have like some kind of he has all these moves where he's like pushing you about and throwing you all over the place and they look awesome but then he has like some kind of spin kick moves as well and it's like oh that's not how he should fight mm. he, yeah you he should fight simple like a speedy Marduk yeah. king kind of character yeah he's like no grapples really well he has a bit of grapple in him a little well, bit of grapples yeah. yeah he's more just like he's speedier than this like slow hitters but he's still a lot slower than the combo guys like his mm-hmm. combos will be like four or five big hits and not like a bunch of little ones i think he's a fine character i like him i like how he get like he seems very intimidating in your face when yeah. you play as him and uh, his redesign looked great like mm-hmm. pretty much every redesign in tekken 7 unless you want to get specific about harang and his yeah. eye patch oh i don't know i kind of love it they put everything in the kitchen sink on him. Though. I know. His he looks... tribal tattoos and print on his clothes. He busy. looks like a PlayStation 2 come to life. Special edition. Yeah. Man. Uh, still cannot wait. I, I saw like a bunch of clips from Heihachi and Heihachi has like some fucking cool moves this time around. Um, Mafia 3 didn't send out review copies. I didn't hear about this. Um, that's pretty much the story, but I thought it was interesting because this has been happening a lot where games that are reviewing quite well 
aren't sending out review copies anymore. So most yeah. places, like Polygon put up an article that's like, where is our Mafia 3 review? And they weren't offered any I haven't seen one from Eurogamer either. Yeah. Are the reviews out at all for it? I saw Giant Bomb play it today and they said it's super fucking glitchy. They said oh. that they would give them codes on the day to access it. And they were like, that's Polygon at least were like, that's not really any use to us. So they bought their own retail copies for the reviews. Yeah, well, I I see this as kind of like, yeah, as streamers become more prominent, that's where people are looking. Mm-hmm. But um, I still see it as pretty shitty too. Yeah, completely. Because it's like, it does give the streamer kind of, it gives real games journalists who might give you an unfair review less of a chance to inform the consumers and then people who will hype things out of day one purchase, yeah. like energy, all the ability to hype. Yeah. And like, I just, I think it, it's hard to trust a lot of the younger guys on YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, because their moods, moods will swing yeah, in a but, week. But like, you're like, and like, I don't even blame them. Because like, you're 20 years old. You're like, you're a 20 year old, like, girl or guy. And a fucking like, Ubisoft gets in contact with you. Like, well, I know Ubisoft to make this game. But, you know, a big game publisher gets in contact with you and is like, hey, would you like a free game? Your mind to be blown. Yeah. And even if you try and give it an impartial review from that point onward, you can't. Yeah. Like it's impossible. You and know? you're streaming it out in day one, and you were just playing it. And I think the kind of most you want to like a game is when you first put it in because you want to justify your purchase. Oh, I nearly like every game yeah. I play it first, and then it's like the days that follow that I start going. Mm-hmm. So they're not giving reviewers a chance to digest the game yeah. and kind of mull it over or write anything really in like in depth. Yeah. The last big time this happened with Doom, which was the opposite, because mm-hmm. everyone went insane for that game. Yeah, it turns out that game's amazing. Yeah. It was, it was it, it, like, and that that's what all the, re- all the reviews were about. Yeah, like, that got consistently glowing reviews everywhere. Because usually, if a game is, like, guaranteed win, they'll send out the review codes two weeks in advance, and then have, like, the two weeks of hype as a, as the release date hits. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you get things like Watch Dogs, mm-hmm. where they delay the game because of GTA Five. And then they don't release any review copies until the launch, and then streamers rip into it. Or there was a really bad one with Assassin's Creed, not Liberty, the one before Liberty. Syndicate? Not Syndicate, the French one. Oh, God. The one where it's the co op one with the fork. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Unity. Unity. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that game was rife with bugs, and that Mm -hmm. got, like, destroyed. It's a weird one because, like, if your game's if your game's good, it's going to benefit. But I no, it's not really weird because I understand why they hold it back if it's bad. But still, like, that just seems so anti-consumer as well. Yeah, it really is. I know Mafia Three is one of those games where they want a lot of critical thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So maybe they want not reviews, but they want post thoughts on the game. Austin Walker has done some really interesting writing. Yeah, on yeah. That game. Um, I'm really looking forward to play it for that reason. Yeah, like I'd like to play it at some point. I haven't played a, an open world drive about game in a while, sandbox, because mm. it is one of those type of games. I didn't yeah. realize it like a, like it's like Sleeping Dogs or whatever. It's not, it's not quite GTA, but it's cool. Yeah. So I'm going to use this opportunity to activate our final form. <laughs> Good friends, Hello Games are once again in the headlines. And I know we've talked a lot about Hello Games, but 
they're being investigated for fraud in the UK over the No Man's Sky controversy. Yeah. And I think this is a really interesting conversation topic. I can remember, like, I can remember when I was, when I was young, girl, I went to see this Zach Braff movie. Garden which, State. Not Garden State. It was one he did after Garden State. Summer from the OC was in it. It was a really forgettable movie. I don't remember this at all. But um, there's this. There was a trailer for the movie, and the trailer made it seem like it was going to be like really kind of light and fun. And there's this line in it where he's like, "When I was when I was when I was a kid, I wanted two things. I wanted to have the girl of my dreams, and for Hulk Hogan to be my bodyguard." And he was like, "That's my dream." And so then I was like, "Okay, that's he made a wrestling joke. I'm going to go see this film." And then I went to see the film, and he was like, when I was a kid, I wanted two things, or I wanted one thing, and that was the girl of my dreams. And I was like, wait, wait, no, that's, that's a different movie. This is a different movie. You know, because that, like, that change is such a tonal shift that it was like, they fucking got me. Like, that bit was in the trailer, and it's not in the movie. Zach got you. Zach got me. And I always think of that whenever people start getting kind of pissy about, like, a game's kind of pre-release marketing cycle promising things that it hasn't. And, like, the most extreme case of it has definitely been this No Man's Sky. I mean, people are so pissed about this. There was even a story about how um, the No Man's Sky Reddit thread was deleted because the moderators wanted just to cleanse it and just get everyone out and start fresh. That's how toxic their community is. Yeah, um, the UK have much stronger uh, consumer protection advertising laws um, where things have to be specifically told. Like, you know how, like, I guess in America, the most specific ads you get are the medical ads about uh, drugs. Mm -hmm. But then other ads, they're very, very vague about what what sort of lifestyle they're selling. Yeah. Um, But I know there's just a higher standard that they have to follow. And Hello Games is a UK-based company, so it makes sense for this to be happening on their own uh, kind of turf. Yeah. Do you guys think this is fraud? Yeah. Straight up. Uh, I think so, yeah. I think you can definitely say the gaming community, like people did freak out and did expect a lot more from it, but they did lie. They really did advertise a totally different game. Mm. Like, they, that, that, they, that's yeah. fraud. There's, that's that's it. There should have been a lot of clarity about mm-hmm. what type of game it was. People I see, like, um, compare it to Watch Dogs uh, and yeah. the hype about that and then the reality of that. But Where like, I think that's completely different is, like, Watch Dogs, they didn't say anything. Like, I, they, 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 they screwed people over as well. Like, they showed really fancy-ass trailers that totally painted a different feel to the game but they didn't promise something and then not have that feature there there was Mm -hmm. no missing features yeah but it it did kind of they showed the hacking and the shooting all in the one in the original trailer it just wasn't as cool as and and, like interesting as it was in the trailer but it was there like with hello games they just outright promised like he's mentioned multiplayer constantly uh, speaking of watchdogs like we, we, we all know the BBC show watchdog and like that's like there there's just such a strong kind of like citizen authority about yeah. protecting mm-hmm. consumer rights yeah that there's even like you know that, that that there is a TV show that 
investigates and like rips into like let's say some pub has a sign up that says that they serve a certain type of beer with a certain alcohol and they'll actually go in and measure the alcohol volume and like find out that they're lying and then they get fined and people get like a satisfaction for watching this show mm, yeah like the british love doing this it, it's part of their culture and and I, irish it's yeah like and, and, and irish people for sure like 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 even thinking about this you get that yeah fuck them so <laughs> like for hello games like what the fuck were they thinking yeah so i think like there's two very distinct kind of sections what hello games did the first off is the trailer downgrades so remember the initial that like trailers they release i don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that mm-hmm. like i have an old n64 magazine in my parents house and i have like there's a preview article on ocarina of time every screenshot from that article does not show up in the game <laughs> Link has a different design. It's like a, an environment that isn't in Ocarina. It's a completely different game. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because famously, like Nintendo back in the day, used to make a game and then make it again. Because they, and like, I think that's a really amazing way to make a game. I don't think it's like financially viable now. But I think, like, you know, games, production cycles are long and complicated and things that seem really easy to do at first they go out of it now even then i think that hello games were playing on the extreme end of that spectrum like i think they had no restraint when making their original concept thing like even less than ubisoft or something but then you get into like the immediate pre-release marketing coming up to the game and you have what's his name the the dude that everyone peter molyneux jr yeah uh, sean murray sean mm-hmm. murray that's the dude is it sean murray or murphy murray murray, murray. yeah he like he did like yeah. like and i don't think he took into account how well, obviously he didn't but yeah i kind of agree with you i think he did kind of consciously mislead people and it's going to be interesting to see if this changes how games are marketed. I also think, like, if you bought No Man's Sky day one release and you didn't wait for any reviews and you didn't think of any of that stuff, like, there is a certain amount of onus on you there because, like, people will take advantage of that. And I do think, like, you can wait a day. You know, you can see what... But then, like, on the other side of that, a lot of people liked that game when it first came out. Yeah, but it would have been a fine serviceable game if you just like bought it as the game it was it was the fact that you buy a game expecting a certain feature and that feature was missing or not there at all Mm. but you were told that that was there it's like buying a coffee maker that says it does cold drinks and it only does hot you're like I guess it's still a coffee maker but I bought it for that direct purpose yeah it's like they left out features um the thing that might protect them is that none of this is on the back of the box. It was in like preview journalism on the game, but when the game actually came out, they but it had was changed. on trailers on TV. Yeah, hmm. yeah, that's gonna fuck them. Yeah, but, it yeah. wasn't just like online media because they could probably argue with that. But once they start putting it on I broadcasting, know, I know false advertising on television is like a big cornerstone, yeah. and that yeah. like it, like if you're caught false advertising on TV, that's that's one hundred percent evidence against you. Any game footage you see on like being broadcast underneath, it's just like not in game footage rendered in an engine. They have to put that there if it goes on TV. Yeah. So they're saying stuff like that. They're showing footage that wasn't in the game. Yeah. 
Like, I mean, you know, Dark Souls 2 actually had a lot of this as well. There was a lot like... Um, oh, yeah, the original lighting in that game is amazing. Yeah, and completely unsustainable on Xbox mm-hmm. 360 and PS3. But even then, I feel like with that, you know, they're they're pushing sliders up and down. Yeah, graphics are a totally different thing. Like, you guys as compers, if I was to give you a video and say, put this out here... Like with the Hello Game stuff, there there was a comparison, and it was a lot of extra glows and particles thrown in for the first few trailers. And like you add that stuff in in comp because it's so difficult to generate that stuff, Mm -hmm. like from three D assets. But it looks like there was a lot of that happening. So yeah, I I don't know. Like, it's kind of sad, you know, because like like one of the exciting things about Hello Games was like they were this breakout indie studio like they were the first indie studio to go from like indie to AAA pretty much but it's been such a disaster I think it's a good cautionary tale for people to hire a marketing team you know or like get a professional to do that shit yeah but um be careful what you say yeah like I kind of the internet remembers I hope we see I hope this is kind of the end of this stuff like I hope Whatever happens to Hello Games happens to them now. I think they haven't managed it well. But I also, like, the whole thing's been so... It's been such a debacle. He hasn't said anything. Do you think he should make a statement? I think he should have made a statement a long time ago. Same here. Like, no matter what statement it was, he should have said something. Mm -hmm. But people are speculating now that these legal charges are why he can't say anything. Which would make sense. Yeah, because that would be admitting to it, nearly. Yep, yeah. And with that, we are going to move into our loot drop. This is the part of the show where we hang up our weapons and enjoy something. And we're going to share it with you. Yep. The listener. The listener. Our friend that we have simulated a friendship with. Yeah. I appreciate uh, it. Neve, tell us about <laughs> Mystery Show. So Mystery Show is a podcast where um, our hero, Starly solves a mystery whether it's about a missing belt buckle and who the original owner was or why was Brittany holding a certain book so it's like they can't be mysteries that you can find out about on the internet so I think the first episode is like a person 10 years ago a person rented a videotape in a video store and she got in a chat with the person running the video store they asked her to sign up for like their membership and everything then she went back the next day and the video store was gone. Just no trace. So she sends Starly out and Starly uncovers the mystery. And it's all these weird little mysteries. It's like next next to like freaking Giant Bomb. It's probably my favorite podcast. It's really good. Um, on, like It wasn't renewed for a second season. By Gimlet Media. Yeah. Which is really... It's crazy. Yeah. She is like... Um, such a star in her own right like yeah. i don't think anyone else could do it she's just nope. such an easy way with people so personable mm-hmm. like this is one episode that's actually the britney episode where she's calling up a guy on a ticket hotline and she gets into this big conversation with the ticket guy about like his life oh and it's really sweet and sad and it's great she's a really endearing conversation with like an old cowboy chef and then a really great one with like uh, Jake Gyllenhaal she can like talk to anyone yeah there's an episode about how tall is Jake Gyllenhaal oh yeah because his height is reported as two different heights yeah mm-hmm. you get the answer if you uh, listen yeah 
I do want to know how if I have to stand on my tippy toes or not to kiss Jake. Uh, you, 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 I, I love Jake. Me too. He's Jake, tripping. Ryan Gosling. God, I'd love to be in that sandwich. <laughs> what, John? Nothing. It's fine. Uh, Does it make you uncomfortable? No, it doesn't make... It's just I don't need to know that intimate... Do you hear about the... I'm, no! They're in the sandwich. Yeah. I'm sketching the sandwich. Where are you in the room? I'm the meat in the bun. I'm dead. I hope I'm dead. <laughs> Why are you dead? So I'm sketching John's dead body in front of the sandwich. <laughs> yeah, just a human sandwich with a corpse in the middle. I hope I edit this episode so I can edit this fucking nightmare out. Why, why would you want to edit? It's 2016, anyway, John. A, ma- link- a man could be in a sandwich with two other men. Uh, look, I'm not... No, I'm not gay. I'll link the Britney episode. It's a good episode. It's a great podcast. I'm, I'm just baiting John into something he's not. Don't worry, everyone. We're all cool here. We're all hip. Yeah. No narcs. Yeah. We get it. <laughs> um, so, have you guys heard of the FIFA game series? Yeah, the football no. one. No, it's the football one. You know, is, the, the... is there a fo- Is it about football? Because yeah. FIFA. the... They might have gone a new direction with FIFA 17 because it looks like the most erotic boy love game released this year. That is soccer. That's why it's the beautiful game. So in FIFA 17, there's new like touch tech and it's like, you know, like you're meant to run by someone and like, you know, both your bodies are meant to kind of like move in a realistic way. Oh, like brush off each other. Yeah, yeah. And this has... This has caused some of the greatest glitches of our time. (laughs) Like... This one, like, there's a bunch of things where, like, you know, a guy will, like, run past another guy, but he accidentally clips, and, like, his arms end up around him, but the first guy is still running, and the second guy is just getting dragged along, and there's all these amazing sequences of, like, two footballers, like, they're, they start ragdolling, but they're ragdolling into each other, so it looks like they're kind of, like, making out on the grounds, but then they come out of it, and they go back into their celebration animation, so it looks <laughs> they like... They snap right back into it. <laughs> so it looks like that they both, like, start just making out on the ground, and then get up and start both just start cheering. <laughs> How realistic are the models? Pretty realistic. Good. There's a great one where, like, one guy's ass, get, or one guy's face gets stuck in another guy's ass. And then, like, that happens during, like, a goal celebration. So, finally, his face gets dislodged and he starts just cheering. <laughs> Yay! Um, I'm going to leave a comp. I couldn't find... I wish someone would do a compilation of all just the, like, boy love glitches because they're incredible. But the best I could find was, like, a glitch compilation with some, like, oh, he should have saved that goal thrown in. So, I don't really care about that, but I'm going to I'm gonna loot drop that anyway. I'm gonna, I'm gonna recommend now you see it on YouTube. Uh, I'm a big fan of movies, as you already know. This guy is kind of like every frame of painting. He's one of those film analysis channels, uh, but uh, he's worth a subscribe to. Uh, he did a really, really good one the other day on color theory, or no, sorry, shape theory in films about circles, squares, and triangles, and designing a character or composing a shot in relation to those shapes how to make a shot look happy and friendly, how to make a shot look sinister and evil, or how to make a shot look balanced. Um, I really, really recommend checking out this channel to both of you guys as well. Yeah, sounds great. But, um... You're not hungry for a sandwich? God damn it. The fans love this. (laughs) Kill me. And with that, you can email us at boss at gmail.com. What's up, Ryan? 
ask let's fight a boss why do you find it so hard why because i'm in an age where it auto completes the email i don't even know my own mobile number so if you if you have any recommendations theories or even life advice questions you can email us at askletsfightaboss at gmail.com. That's askletsfightaboss at gmail.com. Neve can do it. That's because Neve's good. I'm a good girl. <laughs> She's very good. I'm very bad. Uh, American listeners, I'm going to be in New York maybe in November. So if you want to go to Times Square, I'll be there. We can have a fight. Just saying. Uh, so send an email. We can come up with something, okay? If you want to fight Brian, uh, New York, he'll give you the time and the place. and Just, just have it out. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to be back in two weeks with our All Hallows Eve special. The Samhain edition.